Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mohanad is here. Hello, hello. And his audio settings are decent, hopefully. <laughs> Joining us today, Roy Allende. Roy, how are you? I am doing well, doing really well. Probably need to bump myself up just a smidge here. As I can see, I'm not quite at your levels, but here I am. Oh, well, like no one's ever... So what we're talking about is the little the waves that we can see on the screen. And usually, Mo's are like yeah, uh, tidal would, waves. I and then mine are like focus on mine. Pool. Focus on being the same as mine, because Alex's are off the charts, and you still can't hear him most days. On, so yeah, <laughs> that's mine way more than Alex's, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, mine are unsalvageable. I, I need <laughs> editing, but like afterwards. Yeah. All good. Anyway, uh, Wait, a lot Roy, to get Roy, you're really what? loud. Oh. I would say Roy is probably really loud. Just bring it down <laughs> okay. just, just a bit. Just a bit. All right. We're on the go. Live, live editing. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Why yeah. not? Can I get more snare in my headphones, please? <laughs> um, right. Ballon d'Or. Uh, Benzema finally won it. He came dressed as like some sort of cross between a teacher, a clergy. Uh, and Tupac. And Puck, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, but, you know, I think, Mo, you, you were expressing some some kind of like hesitation earlier today, but I think if we remember how we felt towards the end of last season, this is thoroughly deserved. Yeah, I would just like to point out that my uh, remark from the beginning of last podcast still holds true, where we've been on this huge streak of starting every podcast with some sort of a fashion discussion that's true this is now maybe like our sixth and i just don't know how we keep finding them but it's a weird trend um but yes i think i it's one of those where first of all i was just i, I hate how they do it in october november it doesn't make any sense to me in my mind do it in june season just ended everything is fresh and do it per season none of this like calendar year november thing like who cares if there's an international tournament do it in july not a big deal right after the tournament. Like, at least it's fresh. We remember what everyone's done. It's on the high of winning the Champions League, usually for that player, etc. But now you're trying to kind of go back and be like, oh, yeah, what did this player do? And what did Lewandowski do? And what did Salah do? You know, you just kind of forget when it's been. And you've gone into the new season. You've invested these new emotions and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, I think once I kind of went back and I saw you guys saw the list I put on the, on the thread, Alex, and the stuff he's done this, like, last season was... Very impressive. The trophies won. I think it's fifty. It's sixty games, fifty goals, sixteen assists. Won almost every trophy that he played in, except maybe the Copa del Rey. Won the Nations, uh, whatever League Cup, whatever the hell it's called, with France, and pretty much just did everything. Win. I think the top score, Pichichi, the Champions League Golden Boot. You know, it, it's a perfect season, I think, for a Ballon d'Or winner. So yeah, fully deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no. I mean, there's no issues with him winning. I think uh, the the only thing I saw out there that made me chuckle is that, you know, someone going, you know, um, Suarez, Lewandowski, and and good old Benzema, and the worst of the three is the only one who got the the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> <laughs> Benzema's always had impeccable timing. Yeah. It's all about uh, timing. Suarez is trying out here, trying to fight it off with peak Messi and peak Neymar. Uh, That's just bad decision making. Silly. So, yeah, silly. Benzema was like, I'm going to cater to Ronaldo for seven years and I'm going to hold out till he's retired and then I'm going to win the Ballon Yeah, Extreme durability. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And someone said, something said like he, Benzema won the top score of the French League in 2008. Mm. And now in 2022, he's won the Ballon d'Or. 
I mean, that kind of well, just shows you that's he's wild. been going on for a long time. So that's true. I mean, Giroud won top scorer in the French league in what? Two must have been 2011. Yeah, yeah. Ballon coming in three And years. then he won <laughs> Serie A last season. I mean, it's not impossible. If AC Milan put together a solid run, I mean, this is the guy who keeps on scoring goals out of nowhere. Like, I mean, he's also going to be... uh, break the French national yeah. record. So, I mean, that might be coming. He's got more goals than Thierry now, doesn't he? This Almost. is why stats don't work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Mbappe prefers playing with him. Like he, he could be up there, you know. Mbappe is ready to burn down PSG to play with Olivier Giroud. <laughs> what world are we living in? <laughs> this is crazy. It's a good one, though. Um, so yeah, Benzema won. So then, just the the people just after him in the list of Mane coming second, who also won the. This is, I didn't know this was a thing, but the Socrates Award for. Solidarity, uh, humanitarian, humanitarian stuff. Yeah, so yeah. money deserved winner, but like, what it's it, why is it called the Socrates? Well, because Socrates was famously, you know, big on humanitarian oh. issues. Um, but then he also smoked about sixty cigarettes a day. They could have given that award to Nangalan, but they've never <laughs> done me. that. Yeah, Chesney, Alatelli, well, still sure. in the running. Um, but so then we had Mane, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Lewandowski after that, and Salah fifth, Mbappe sixth, Courtois seventh. Not bad for a keeper. To be fair, Courtois has stepped up since you know when he first moved from Chelsea. It was like a comical couple of months at Madrid where everybody was just looking out for every single mistake possible, and it was a bit of a running meme at how bad he seemed to be performing. But he's he's really stepped up for Madrid over the last year, year and a half. Yeah, yeah, that Champions League final performance mm-hmm. itself got him into the top twenty. Like he could have done nothing else, and like biggest stage in club football, he like tore it up. So, yeah. yeah. yeah well, he had to because he backed himself on Twitter pretty hard. <laughs> so it was the stakes were pretty high for him in that in that case. But he did win best goalkeeper as well. Lewandowski won best striker, uh, and Gavi succeeded Pedri as golden child or whatever. Um, so who's next? Nico? Are they just going to like hand it down the line of Barcelona children? Barcelona have yeah. dominated this award. To be fair, did has Fatty won it? I don't think so. Strangely enough, you'd think he would be like he'd been on the list there, but I don't. I think he's been injury ravaged enough, like mm. on and off, that he's just not had a full year of performing to get the award. But yeah, he's definitely the kind of guy who should. Um, I think my biggest my biggest issue with that Copa award is just again we talked about this before the leaning towards Barca, like man. Like between there's a even just Bellingham, Musiala, like there's enough of these kids who are just performing at such a high level week in week out, and yeah. Gavi, like oof, that is that's a stretch. Like I, I would, <laughs> I think I would put Saka above Gavi, even though 100%. I'm a biased Arsenal fan. Like, um, he's decent, but to win the Copa, goodness. That's... Yeah, it's also when when you bring up an example like Saka, what it really shows you is like. It may not even be a talent thing, but Saka in his level of importance to the team he plays for is miles ahead of someone like Gabby, who's like there and contributing as a squad member. But 
if you took him out, nothing would. Yeah. Really also, you change. gotta consider like again, just as a random example, like Saka, you gotta consider his involvement in the Euros with England and all the way to the final, being one of their best players. But you know, there's a lot going on there, right? And really importantly, he's on the cover of Time magazine, so that has to bump him a little more. Like yeah, he, he, he looked think. good though. Wait, did you see? He looks sharp. He did. He, he did. Sharp. Yeah. did. I mean, they they don't let you not look good, you know. But yeah, he did. <laughs> What, has anyone read the interview? No. Oh, man, I haven't read Time in like 15 Time. years. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> no, same. It seems a bit of an anachronism, but anyway. Uh, and uh, Alexia Patelas winning the, the Women's Ballon d'Or back-to-back. First player to ever win it two years in a row. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. I thought they would um, back Beth Mead for this. I, I thought, you know, one of those years where like every, nearly everything goes free. Maybe if Arsenal won the WSL and... That was added to like play of the tournament, the Euros, top scorer, etc. Maybe that would have pipped her over. Um, but yeah, I wonder I, if I, the, I, I wonder if the voting was almost almost done before the women's Euros. It just seems like those things are usually locked in a little bit. I mean, when was the women's Euro? It was like like recent-ish, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the summer, right? But then Alexia Pateas also plays for Barcelona, so yeah. Yeah, they're, they're like a record-breaking women's team. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well. between that and the corruption, you really have no chance. Is there an award um, for that? <laughs> there should be. Oh, there was. Uh, there yeah, was. Oh, there yeah, was the Club, Club of, of the Year. year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mad City, the only time they could, like, you know, pop up in there and be like, yep, we, uh, we're here. We yeah, it's something. actually amazing. Oh, like, does anyone know what the criteria are? I really should have looked this up, but I assume it's, you know, you're well-run doing things sustainably, all of that kind of guff. I have no idea. I think I think I think the award just pretty much was keeping Man United fans quiet online. I mean that deserves an award. So City have been doing that for five seasons now. I think I think that I would give it to them just on that basis. Yeah. I, w- I watched like little tidbits from uh, Benzema's speech and there were two parts that I loved um because it sort of took a while for the English translation to hit, right? Mm-hmm. And and just the camera panning at these moments. The first one was when he was talking about basically, man, like I had a really tough time when I couldn't play international football <laughs> and they panned over to Didier Deschamps <laughs> just sitting there, just like <laughs> taking it in. And uh, it's like, you know, I, I, I really like pushed through it. I just like focused and, and all this. and um, And I was like, that's, Perfect. Whoever was doing team direction there, thank you so much. And then the second one was when I have some spotty French knowledge. So he says, uh, what is it again? Uh, mon grand président qui, qui est là? Like my, you know, the big president who's here. And at that time, team director panned over to Mbappe. And I was like, no, <laughs> is Benzema calling Mbappe like his president? This is like that one second before they finally switched over. <laughs> Oh man, to Paris, sitting sitting towards like the middle, and I was like, I had a brief moment of panic that Mbappe <laughs> had that much pull that he got Benzema in his Ballon d'Or speech to refer to him as mon grand président. I was like, okay, Mbappe has something going for him, but uh, I guess all he had tonight was a bunch of booze. Yeah, maybe maybe that's why uh, Macron tweeted about it just to like reaffirm his position in the whole in the whole thing. But yeah, it is, it is amazing. I mean, Mbappe getting booed in Paris 
because I mean he's now denying that he said he wanted to leave, but you know his his camp clearly briefed that he did. Just another week of of total nonsense from uh, from Big Killian, which is a shame because you know he should just be we should just be able to enjoy him for the amazing footballer he is. Instead, it's a total circus. It's it's well. Do you one question with him? Do you think he? You know how LeBron had that evil Le, LeBron era when he moved to Miami and everyone was booing him. Um, it sort of seems when that evil Mbappe era. And do you think he can? Do you think he can like be comfortable in evil Mbappe? Because LeBron wasn't. LeBron had to go back to like happy LeBron. Is Mbappe comfortable? Being well, the problem evil is guy? the problem is the, the for now at least what seems like the one destination that seemed the most likely was Real Madrid and Perez is out here enjoying slamming on Mbappe. He's like, yeah, I'm bored of it already. Yeah, he must already be regretting it. I have Rodrigo and Vinicius. Like, he's just doubling down because Perez, as all the negatives you could say about him, he's got this big ego. He's got this big mm-hmm. dom, this big boss. I am the big G in this room. You know what I mean? And he's like, you're telling me no. I'm never. I'm not coming back. You got to mm-hmm. rot now in whatever you want to go. You're not playing for Real Madrid as long as I'm president, and that's forever. So, <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like Mbappe going back and saying I never said I wanted to leave is very well timed with Perez coming out and saying find another club because this is not happening. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, I think uh, yeah, Mbappe. <sighs> I, I like I don't know what the long term plan here is. Like, where is he going to go? A, like a Liverpool is not going to pay him that money. A Chelsea maybe. Ted Bowley. But like, I don't think you can grow that brand in a Chelsea or a Liverpool. It's just it is what it is. That Ballon d'Or brand. That kind of like we talked about that Barca Madrid. It, it has something about it. It's different. Um, and I don't think you can grow that brand individually as a player in the Premier League. I don't remember a single player kind of growing such a worldwide brand in the Premier League. You know, David Beckham was kind of one of those that then really took it to a whole new level in in the Galacticos. I just can't think of one player. You know, you think of Premier League legends, the gigs and this, and who cares? Like, they're not worldwide superstars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, to Roy's point, maybe Mbappe has to go to the NBA. (laughs) Take take his talents to South Beach. Yeah. And like... (laughs) And I'm obviously joking, but straight, I can't 100% rule that out. Like, I just feel like if he at some point said, you know what, I want to try basketball, someone would give him a contract to do it. Yeah, the Michael Jordan of football. Yeah. <laughs> but just in the Miami Dolphins, just like kicking, kicking field goals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a bit, bit of a waste of his pace, but, you know. True, true. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, Premier League. Manchester City losing 1-0 at Anfield. Uh, clearly should have trained with uh, You'll Never Walk Alone blaring on a, on a speaker. They clearly didn't do that because they couldn't handle it. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I saw Pep sitting in his dugout seat. It was a good at least half hour, if not an hour before kickoff, with his head in his hands. <laughs> um, and I was like... What? Uh-oh. <laughs> something is not something's not right here. And, and frankly, that carried right through the game. I, I just thought, 
It wasn't what? it wasn't a terrible performance by City, but it was a weird one. I but thought. Pep was very emotionally engaged in this game. You could see yeah. from the beginning of the game to kind of all the calls that happened when the when the goal was cancelled, and he was like waving at the crowds and waving at the refs mm-hmm. to you know stamping on the ground and like kind of fisting the ground when when Salah <laughs> scored afterwards, like the, even saying you know even giving props to Salah. Like it almost seemed like well to be fair, the status I think Salah scored five games in a row against City or something ridiculous like that. So. I think Pep is probably it's in the back of his mind if not even out in the open with his players like he you know he is the danger man and he probably just the emotions got him in the case like this guy again he's kind of done it again um and you could see the emotions in Pep the entire game and I just wonder if and this is just from an Arsenal bias perspective I just wonder if the addition of Haaland made him just a little niggling thought of like hmm can I go the season unbeaten just just a little in the back of his mind, you know, can I get that golden trophy? He's like, no, son, you can't. There's only one Arsene Wenger. Sit down. And I love that. I just, that's all I care about with City losing the first game and then they can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> yeah, you could have a, a 105. I don't care. Even care. Yeah. It, was, it was definitely strange because I think the, you know, last season when Arsenal went to Liverpool and we had that whole spat with, um, with Klopp and Arteta, and people were all over our title, like, oh, you're such an amateur, like, you got the crowd going, blah, blah, blah. Man, Pep was f- more unhinged than usual. Like, there was, there's definitely something up, and I think maybe yeah. the, the points both of you speak to. But, man, like, the guy just, it's almost like he was trying to handicap his team and still have them win this game. You know, it's like, I'm going to get this crowd the most riled up they're ever going to get. I'm going to get club riled up and I'm going to prove to you we can still win this game which actually to be honest I've heard, I've heard people talking about this game and saying that City were crap and I was like well I don't think no. they were crap like Liverpool at home haven't they haven't lost at home in front of a crowd for whatever, five years whatever it is there's a reason for that like they're still a decent team um, but man like it was it was a strange performance from Pep and even like his decision to have three at the back, have Cancelo as, as a winger. Like, all these little, the little pep things, right? It's like the whole... Um, Thinker. The Thinker yeah, man. Champions League yeah. um, semi-final or final. Gundogan instead of Rodri. I'm going to, like, <laughs> do my own thing and make... It's like, what are you doing, man? Just play the team that's won most the games. games. <laughs> like, crazy convincingly. And turn over Liverpool. And he decided to do something strange. Like Pep the, usually does. Yeah. The, the, the weirdest thing for me was how he stuck with he had Foden really wide left and he kept getting mm. boxed in and had nowhere to go because he always had to come inside um and then he had Bernardo really close to him also buzzing around in that kind of space and then De Bruyne stuck out on the right and no one was really driving through the middle and Foden and Bernardo weren't really having any joy I mean Foden obviously got the goal but that was rightfully ruled out I think um and he just didn't do anything to change it until literally, I mean, with three minutes to go, he brought on Julian Alvarez, who obviously didn't get a chance to do anything. And then in the last minute or so of injury time, De Bruyne finally switched over to the left to get more involved. And I don't know even know if that was a pep thing or De Bruyne just took it into his own hands. It was like, fuck it, I'm going to get the ball. Um, but you, they needed someone on the left who had a right foot, which is something, you know, 15 years ago, you'd never have said, but they really did. And no, it was just Foden and Bernardo boxing themselves <laughs> yeah, in for like an hour. 
I think especially when you consider Milner was playing at right back, and if I'm yeah. going to target anyone on the field, that would True. be I think you've got what Milner and Gomez next together on yeah. the on the on Liverpool's right hand side, City's left hand side. I mean, Foden is Foden is a great player, but he's not the winger that's no. going to go at Milner every time. They get over, the ball. No, he's not like Martinelli. Right? Exactly, like yeah, that's exactly what Arteta would have been like. Just keep running up Milner all game long. I don't even care if you lose the ball or get the ball. Just do something. Foden wants yeah. to get it, pass it back to the left back, blah, blah, blah. Keep doing that. Milner's like, fine, you want to play in front of me? You can play in front of me. But the problem is nobody tried to get behind. Nobody tried to push the ball and just run past Milner. Like, that's all you needed to do this game, especially with Gomez there, right there. It's not mm-hmm. Matip. It's not Konate. It's two real weak, weaker, let's call them weaker yeah. links in Liverpool's team. And nobody really tried to make use of, of that side at all. And yeah, like you said, Roy, I don't think City played a bad game. I think on a different day, City scored a couple of goals and things look fine and everything's okay. But it had to go Liverpool's way a little bit for them to win this game. And it did, right. even with Ederson's, Ederson's fantastic save on Salah's first. Oh, wow. Pretty much a oh. copy-paste move. The second time, Salah just put it a bit higher, which is exactly mm-hmm. what he needed to do the first time. Because it's that awkward short shoulder height where the keeper can barely get it with a leg or an arm. But the first mm-hmm. one was too easy, right? Uh, and Jota was there as well. And <laughs> Jota was just like <laughs> furious. And I'm like, yeah, Mane didn't leave for no reason, mate. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, I think yeah, I think City played well enough, but Liverpool a little bit of a smash and grab, even though they kind of played okay this game. So on something I want to say about the goal, um, and like you, you mentioned this, I I think this game was refereed quite different different from any other 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 game I've watched this season. Right, Andy Taylor was like, "Yo, I am gonna let a lot of things slide." Like, Salah got hit in the back a bunch of times. Taylor's like, move on, man. There's a bunch of those very, like, you know, I'm going to, Bernardo, I'm going to, like, shield the ball, and then someone hits me, and it's going to be a foul. Taylor's like, screw you, man. <laughs> like, this is just a good old, old-fashioned old game of English Premier League a la 1995, right? This is the only reason why I feel as though the tug on... Um, the tug on Fabinho is for sure a foul but this game was just being refed so diff- there was an extra bit of just rough like You're just right. be a man and like take I'm only going to give a foul that's like a proper old school foul and I know that VR is not ready for that VR is just like I'm just going to read it like I read yep. everything else but that's why I feel like it was a bit rough on City even though maybe actually I, I didn't see the replays on Allison. Holland challenge, but for that one, I was like, "Man, this ref, is, this game is being refed so differently." That well, technically, actually, technically, the ref let it go. Technically, yeah. you're right. Like the ref let it go and play, and he stood there. And I remember the scene that he actually just shook his head, like you're, you disgust me. Like just keep <laughs> playing, you, you know. Like he actually was fully into that character, Roy, that you were explaining. It's like I'm not calling anything unless it's absolutely necessary. But you're right. Once VAR gets involved, then the book comes out. And especially yeah. when there's a goal. And like, the ref can be brave when it just tackles in midfield and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But you can't be that brave when, okay, now City has scored. But I, to be yeah. fair, I thought it was a foul, like you said. I also thought uh, Haaland on Allison was a foul. Allison put his hands on the ball, it was yeah. there, and then he kind of need his arm completely out the way. You can't really do that. So, yeah, there was a couple of fouls in that move. And I think that if the first one wasn't going to get called, I think the second one should have, regardless. So, um, but just, I think the ball from KDB to Holland was beautiful in that chance as well. Just kind of across two players. Mm. Holland got on his bike. Like it was, it was a good, it was a good play regardless. 
It, it was. I, I've actually noticed. I mean, it's it, it's not you know a revelation, but Kevin De Bruyne at this point basically just wants to pass to Haaland and will only pass Nobody to other else. people if he absolutely has to. <laughs> like He's like, this is a direct route to goal. If I can do it, yeah. I'm doing it. I get an and assist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bernie, said, Bernie said last week, put it in the mixer. And there's a couple where Haaland just peels off at the back post. De Bruyne looks up and goes, all right, you're in there somewhere. Boom. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Left yeah. left side of that of that um, left side of the goal, yeah. just aim somewhere there between the top of the box and the six yard and at any height doesn't gonna matter. Yeah. Something's height. gonna happen. Yeah. Some yeah. limb will touch it into the yeah. into the back of the net, which I um, think is a philosophy that Darwin Nunes uses. Like any, just like <laughs> something's gonna happen, anything will happen. Just go, just go for that, it. Thank Darwin you. That's Nunes. exactly where we were going. Right Darwin now. Nunes, like okay, <laughs> tell me if you understand this. He didn't have. I don't want to say like he didn't have a bad game in the sense of like he was influential. He actually was influential. He came on a couple of driving runs, made things happen, changed the game for Liverpool. So he had a lot of good stuff. He just had to end it properly. Like there was a couple of chances where, okay, you've ran through three players. You look fantastic, man. Just lay it off to somebody else. Just, just, just get out of the frame. Take your plaudits, but no, he went the whole way every time, and he failed every time. <laughs> okay, the he Darwin went straight into one. Quasi and Liz territory with his decision making. <laughs> like it was unbelievable the decisions that he made in those two breakaways. Unbelievable. I mean, the sackable offenses. Uh, I can't actually. It it. Like I feel like an under sevens kid would have taken the right decision in those instances. Like the fact that there's three of you and one of you, one of them is Salah, and you've decided, nah, nah, nah. Like <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> Salah, you've had yours. I could just pass the ball to you, but this is my moment. So I'm just gonna go for it. And this guy, like, it's the most entertaining, bizarre. Like you said, it's there's part of it that's like a really good performance in the fact that he has caused some sort of chaos. Like, yeah, he's ultimate chaos factor. Yeah. But my, you hope that chaos eventually like leads to a goal. <laughs> I, I think this game he replaced simultaneously Yaya Sinogo and Lukaku in this league at the same oh, time. That was yeah. a, that was an ode to both these players together. It it also gave me um, end of career Fernando Torres vibes. At Chelsea, where he was just yeah. like bumbling around the pitch. Well, I mean, and, there's a lot of end of career at Chelsea: Shevchenko, yeah. Torres. You've got yeah. a lot of Balak. You've got a lot of those. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So what? True. What? What do you think? Like, yeah. Do you think Nunes this season gets more than ten goals based on what we've seen from him? I so mean, far? I can tell we four. we have saved in a draft now. in my no, email here. Yeah. Um, we one. have our predictions from the start of the season. So I'd said 14, Mo had said 10. Good. Looking good, Mo. Yeah. And Bernie said 15. So, yeah, I think at this yeah. point, if he gets to 10, he'll have done yeah, very I, well. I called him a fraud since moment one. 10 goals max, only because the team around him was supposed to be good this season. But I was I was hoping Diaz and Salah would kind of help him get there. You know what might not help him get there? So we've touched on this a few times, is that, um, you know, Mo, you noticed very early in the season that Salah was playing really wide for him. Very. And only in the last couple of games, in fact, in which he scored four goals, the first Champions League Rangers, and now in this game, he's been playing through the middle. 
And yeah, turns out that was yes. the right thing to do, Jurgen. <laughs> yes, I was like, I want because you know, Salah, Egyptian. I'm focused on it, right? I wanted to do well. I'm watching. And the first three games of the season, man is hugging the touchline like prime. I don't know who does that. Walcott or something. Prime, like someone who just like stand out there. Don't be very useful. Cross the ball once in a while. It's like, you're talking about Mohamed Salah. You just lost money. Nunez can clearly barely kick a ball. You need yep. Salah involved. You need him inside between the six-yard line and the 18-yard line, like in that channel. You need him in there. He's out all the way out there trying to play iso ball versus three players all the way from the touchline, playing one-twos, like trying to get all the way inside. Like, it's just not going to happen. You're being unrealistic. Salah all of a sudden moves centrally for a couple of games, and now he has like 17 goals in like 30 minutes. Like, just <laughs> just stick to the game plan, Klopp. Like, the, like he gave him 400000 a week. Stick him in front of the goal. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's it's tough. Like you know, they've they've done the whole go big on Nunez, right? Um, and I think this is it's put them in a tough place because Nunez hasn't come in, come in and done not exactly what Holland would have done, but even like maybe like half that, right? Like just be this steady guy who they can rely on. He's proper just chaos merchant, and unless you want that twenty four seven in your team as a centerpiece, it's just not going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what do you do? Because you, well, you play Firmino, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah on yeah, this I, form. Yeah, I guess so. In this form, he's great. I mean, no no one thought that Firmino is going to have whatever he has, like, seven... They have, like, seven, eight goals in the Premier League this season. It's, it's ridiculous, right? Because yeah. everyone thought, this guy's done, right? He's He's going to sort of do his play once in a while, like, every, like, maybe four or five games or have a cameo. And here he is actually doing something. Jota is now injured again after being injured at the start of the season. So all these interchange and Luis, um, yes, uh, what's his face? How are they going to line up next game? You yeah. think? I mean, like what? So, what's going to happen? Nunes, Firmino, and Salah are the only ones left standing, unless Carvalho comes into the first eleven. Yeah, I I, I saw this Liverpool fan put. Uh, <laughs> Nunez at left midfield because <laughs> he can run. I mean, and, just, and I love there's a thread of people who are saying like, "Oh yeah, he he originates from there because he's played away." And we're like, "Do you know what left midfield means in I Liverpool?" Think, <laughs> I think this is what it is. They saw the Joe Linton experiment at Newcastle mm. and went, "This is the Energy. blueprint." Yeah, yeah, this is the blueprint. You know what? It's not a terrible idea when you yeah, look at what I, happened to Jolin. <laughs> I guess so. Hey, hey, Nunez had a couple of marauding left-wing runs this game. Exactly. So he just needs to lay it off to someone more useful at the end of it. So, yeah. you know. Well, let, let's uh, let's use that as a segue because um, as soon as you said Jolin, what came into my mind was the amount of times he just like bodies people on the pitch. Like, he's just an absolute unit. Um, and United Newcastle was another very physical game, I thought. Um, and again, seemed to seem to they seemed to let a lot go. Um, it was very entertaining for a nil-nil. But I thought what really struck me was how equal these two sides seemed to be. If anything, Newcastle were the more were, were the team with more confidence. Yeah, and missing some players too, right? Like to go to Old Trafford to play like the way they did in the first half, like Joe Linton needs to score one of those headers like <laughs> you know twice against you know a crossbar and post especially the second one he he needed to put that one in um you know like they should have had a pen i know united say that united will say they should have had a pen later on for sancho but um 
Yeah, that's a that's a team again. We keep talking about Newcastle, how it's so annoying that they didn't just go out and try and buy the two hundred million dollar player and just like have a few seasons where they had to like actually go back. They're they're thinking about it. Eddie Howe is, is a solid coach who's building a decent team filled with just like average to above average, mostly Premier League players, plus a dash of like um, Bruno and um, you know the bulldozer Joe Linton, right? Um, so yeah, it's annoying, but the, but they're pretty good. And United, I mean, yeah, my feelings on United are they're sort of this season is just. Uh, almost like a pause, right? They, mm. I don't really see them doing anything much, but Newcastle, yeah, another another one of those seasons. Straight. Sounds like they've had three or four in the last five of those pause and reset seasons. But I like to look at, I like to read into little useless things during games. That's just my thing. If you guys remember that Joe Linton, obviously two headers off the post and the bar and whatever, right after the second one, when then it went out, Dallow's reaction of just like absolute celebration and kind of hysteria with De Gea, who didn't save any of them, <laughs> was telling in my mind. Because that mm. looks like, oh, it's passion and you really care and you want to win. No, I see that as pure relief. It is and relief. Just like if you are confident that this is your game and you're playing a Newcastle and they got this one chance and it went out and whatever, you move on. You're like, okay, reset. We got this. That like it just felt so forced. It felt so more relief than just like kind of excitement. That I think there is a there is a level of worry there in that you know they know they're not as good as they need to be. I think I think they realize that, and I think. In the past, United used to be teams in the tunnel, right, before they even stepped on the field. And that's obviously because Fergie was there and the referees were in their pockets and all that stuff that we know. But the point is, they don't have that fear factor anymore, United. And if anything, teams look at that and go, this is still a big game, and it would be great to win one of these big games. This is at Old Trafford. This is Newcastle taking the game to United at Old Trafford. And... I thought it was very impressive by them. I thought they played very well. I thought they matched the physicality from United. I think United are starting to build this individuals, these thugs that they love to have at United. They love it. The Lissandros, the Antonis, the Brunos. You know, they're very punchable players. That United Casemiro is quietly a thug as well. But that's fine. Casemiro, it's fine. That's by design. That's who you are. I love that. You can be that guy. But I don't like the pretenders. I don't like the Anthony that is like this little fleet-footed winger that thinks he's a thug. The, the Bruno, who's supposed to be a number 10 final ball guy that wants to get involved. Like, don't be that guy. You're either Casemiro or you're an Ozil. Don't get all like middle ground. Though. I just, I just hate, I hate United, man. You don't understand. I just, I dislike. Oh, no, no so trust hard. me. We, we all understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, this part of me that is secretly hoping Anthony is just like reincarnation of Dan James, but the Brazil version. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember 2019, 2020, Dan James comes in three goals in his first four games um looks like he's gonna be tearing up the league and then just oh we know the rest right didn't score yeah. another goal in the premier league um and uh i don't even know i don't even think leeds want him anymore where where is he now actually is, is he still Fulham. in leeds pull him online Fulham. okay he's, yeah he moved goodness yeah i, yeah. I forgot about that <laughs> uh and anthony has started really really hot and let's be honest he's a good player but there's a big part of me 
that is just hoping. Oh, oh, please. Well, oh, I just hope he's another Sancho. This guy. I, I would, <laughs> no, I, you, I would you just know, take that. You know, you know, the vibes he gives me are. Um, who was that? Uh, was it Jesse? The guy that went to like he was at Real Madrid, yeah, like, went through at Real Madrid, and then he went to PSG, and then started a rap career. Hesse. Like that's the kind of thing I'm getting from Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's bad. What Sancho? What's happened to like Sancho? Is you know someone said this about Reese Nelson. Um, Reese Nelson played um, played uh, last week, and and there was this whole thing of you know they grew up together, mm. and you know they're both the like most skilled players, and end up you know one goes to Germany, one stays in the UK, and like Sancho blows up, and then Reese Nelson sort of just like you know hanging mm-hmm. around, not quite not quite blowing up. Then you realize, oh man, they are the they're sort of the same player, like skilled, but lack the physical edge to like to really dominate an opponent um at this level. Like when they were mm-hmm. younger, maybe another league, you know, Reese Nelson tore it up for a little bit when he was when he was on loan in, in the Bundesliga. But um I've been a little bit surprised by Sancho. Have but, you though? Like like when, yeah. when Sancho was coming through and Alex, I don't know if you remember this. I was like, I just don't see it, man. I was like, I'm not sure what all the hype's about. Like, fine, he's playing okay at Dortmund. Like, people, like, he's an English guy who's doing it abroad, therefore hype multiplied by 100. He could mm-hmm. barely get into the English team, and people were like, oh, my God, Southgate doesn't like how players who play abroad. I thought he was not as good as a lot of players that are available for England. I don't think he deserved to start for England. I don't think he's that fantastic of a player. I, I just didn't see that kind of cutting edge, like what you're saying now, Roy. Like I just didn't see him mm. taking a game by the scruff of the neck. He's a skillful player. He can do his little thing once in a while. He'll look good. I just don't think he's an 80 million pound player. I just never so, saw it, and I don't think I, I'll see it. Go on, Roy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's an 80 million dollar player. I think this United bought him, so, you know, it, right. it is what it is. But there's definitely something in the way he played at Dortmund where you think, okay, you put this guy in the right system, you put sort of like, you know, the right players around him, and he can shine in his specific way. But the thing that's tough for him and Reese is you stick them on the wing and you ask them to do a, do a job that requires, you know, the kind of thing that, like a Saka does, or I mean, I'll use Saka and Martinelli because they stand out at Arsenal. That level of intensity is just totally absent from them. Um, I think part of it is mentality, and part of it's just like physical attributes, right? But he has enough skill if put in the right place. I mean, maybe yeah, skill is never he, enough in the Premier League. That's the thing you need that intensity, though. right? So like Hazard had yeah. skill, but he had the intensity. Go on. So I, I think. I think, look, I mean, like, we joke a lot around about the Bundesliga tax, and it is a thing, like, the Bundesliga is a bit of a joke defensively at times, but Sancho absolutely was taking games by the scruff of the neck. He absolutely did have cutting edge. Like, his assistant goal numbers in the Bundesliga are insane. Yeah. Um, for, for a, like, teenage, you know, winger slash forward. Um, I just think he, yeah, there's an element of the transition was harder for him than I probably expected, but I also just think he made a bad choice like who has flourished at man united in the last however many years any has anyone like Mm. all of their players apart from bruno for like you know the first what nine months that he came in he looked brilliant bruno's Um, the only one that that seemed like an actual impact signing yeah um but 
but just like no one's having a great time at Man United, whoever the manager is, whatever the system is, I just feel like Sancho and the physicality thing, it definitely seems to be a thing. But if you put him in a team where the team is closer together and he can actually play short passes between him and other attacking midfielders, and it's not this big spread out like counterattack yeah. kind of thing where you do need that pace and that and that physicality to beat a few players. Um, and in a team where he gets any kind of consistency, like even Chelsea would be better for Sancho. Um, but like a City or an Arsenal in, in their current form would be would be brilliant for him because he'd actually have create other creative players around like he did at Dortmund. I don't think he has the intensity, Alex, for a City and an Arsenal in the way that both of these teams want to play. I don't think he has that... I don't think he has the fitness. I don't think he has the intensity. I don't think... I think, like you said, I think what you said at the start, which is like closer, closer group, a lot of more one-twos, small touches, a lot of the Grealish type of play that Grealish mm-hmm. wants to do. Like Grealish struggles at City for the same reason because Pep wants his players to touch the, the touch line, right? And Grealish is like, I can't play this wide. Like, I'm just useless this wide. Sancho's the same. He's, a, he's more of an interior winger, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think he enjoys the whole, like, being as wide as possible as, as he is at United right now. But you got to make it happen. We're, like, more than a year in now. Like, just, I don't know, make it happen. You're a good player. Just do something. I think just think he's one of those players where if if Ten Hag if the whole Ten Hag thing works and United get better, he will look a lot better. But if United remain a bit average slash dysfunctional, he's not going to look good. Well, according to Gary Neville, United are going to be top four this season. So um, maybe maybe he'll get lucky. Um, <laughs> the uh, the I know that Arsenal are going through a good patch. Like every team's going to have a rough time. But every single time I hear Gary Neville talk about, you know, his, his words were Arsenal will come back into the pack, which I th- I think that makes sense. Man City are favorites for the Premier League. He's talking about, like, who's going to win the league. And, you know, he's like, you know, I see the Tottenham's and the Chelsea's and the United. I'm like, dude, have you watched United play this season? <laughs> like, what yeah. gives you confidence that they're going to be they're gonna be yeah. a, a lot of with Tottenham? A lot of pundits oh. on TV right now are United fans. You've got the Ferdinand, the Gary Neville, the Roy Keane. It's tough. And they all kills me. They all have to they all say the same thing of Ronaldo's great, United are still up there. Like I, and this this is the ego that actually has 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 hindered United's ability to kind of just reset for the past mm-hmm. eight seasons. Like just be humble. Accept that you're not who you used to be. Start over. Sign that. 8 out of 10 player instead of going for the 10 out of 10 every time that ruins the system, doesn't work hard, blah, 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 and come back into it, then get back into 10 out of 10. But the Pogba's and the Sancho's and the this and the that, not at this level. I, I think you need to work your way back slowly, then sign these players. But you throw enough money at anybody, they'll still show up at your doorstep, even when they know you have no plan, even when they know you're not going to end up in the top four. Like, you tell me Sancho doesn't want to play in the Champions League, all these players at United don't want to play in the Champions They do, but they also love their 400k a week. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, yeah, no, it's true. Uh, what I will say, like, not so that we're not, you know, a hundred percent negative about United. What I will say is they did go on that four-game winning run. Then they got battered by City. Then they won another game, and then they've drawn nil-nil to Newcastle. So, like, their form is not terrible. It's, it's not just terrible. they don't they don't really pass the eye test um, yeah. at all. They're, they're the they're sort of like Arsenal last season in a way where things have to go really well for them to win, right? Mm-hmm. So they're only going to get, they're going to get like two big chances a game and that's it. And if they don't convert those, they're done, right? Yeah. Um, which, I mean, that's, 
be solid if you're solid defensively. I think they have like the third, the third deepest defensive line. They're trying to be solid, like you know, don't leak a bunch of goals. And you, ha- they have good enough players that they should be, you know, top five, top six, like easily, right? Like they have enough quality up front. It's just that with the transition now, they're not blowing teams away, right? They yep. they just need to like convert their chances. So they'll be fine, but. It's another year of transition. And Europa League. Um, yep. Arsenal beat Leeds, as you said, uh, last season. They needed everything to go well. Yesterday, yesterday, Saturday, whenever it was, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, things didn't go well at all, really, apart from Saka's finish. And uh, and they still won 1-0. This was a mad game, man. A, from an intensity standpoint. I mean, Arsenal have been one of the most intense, pressing, quickest sides in the league, obviously. But Leeds just like blew me away with their intensity um and not just their intensity but for how long they sustained it which was you know 97 minutes i i've honestly you know we saw them press like this under bielsa as well but i kind of just assumed that they'd never reach that level of madness again but jesus christ they were like demons yeah Yeah, a lot of things a lot of things kind of came together for least out of this performance i think also something to consider from an intensity perspective is arsenal coming from a midweek game in the arctic circle you know, only a couple of days ago on that tough pitch, um, all that good stuff. So I think the intensity from Arsenal as well wasn't there to the level. Leeds did step up, and I think the fans, the stadium atmosphere, it really got into it. Like, it just, they slowly built with every kind of decision against them it built. The fans were all there behind them. Like, they had a lot of... Um, just just a lot of backing from the fans, from, from the players' intensity, the energy. And I thought... I thought away games in the Premier League are just tough. No matter the yeah. form the other team is in, no matter what, the, it, like Premier League actually makes a huge difference home and away. Huge difference. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. day at home, you look like you're on top of the league. The next day, you go and you get battered. Um, even if you don't lose the game, you still get battered away at some small team. And that's just the beauty of the Premier League. And that's why people joke around about, you know, a rainy Tuesday at Stoke. Because <laughs> you could be the best team in the, wor- in the world. You show up there, you're like, oh man, what the hell is going on? And right? Rory DeLapp is lobbing rocks at you. <laughs> Exactly. You you never know what what's gonna come, but yeah, I, I just thought this game was one of those where I'm laid back. I'm like top four is the target, all that good stuff, whatever, right? This game, I was running around my living room. I was standing up for the last fifteen minutes. I was yelling with every decision. I was, and I'm like, am I secretly in a title challenge in my head? Like, yeah, like, oh, hundred like percent. This game, this game just. Prove it to me that no matter what I say out loud, I'm there, mate. I am there. <laughs> I, I honestly, I have to say, I I just think rightfully so at this point. I like I I'm rarely like super bullish about Arsenal's form, but there is there's just something about this team that tells me this isn't like whether they go the whole way or not, they'll be in the conversation all season. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I I do think we need to have some good, like any side, right? We need to have some decent injury luck. We need to probably bring in at least one or two in um, in the new year and ESR coming back. But uh, yeah, like you said, it, it it's tough to win away. There's just the reality. And, you know, it actually shines a spotlight on how well Arsenal have already performed. Like, I think back on that win versus Brentford away and just 
utterly dominated them from from second one to the final whistle. Like just you could tell they just gave up. They're like, okay, you guys are better than us. Just please don't score a ton of goals. We get it. We get it. You're great. Um, and this was a totally different game. This was, like you said, the intensity was wild. Um, because ultimately, to beat teams away from home is really tough, right? Like you look at um, Chelsea, Aston Villa. Like Aston Villa pummeled mm-hmm. Chelsea. Like they essentially gave Kepa his his reputation back. Yeah. Um, and they don't even have a manager. but this is this is the reality so i mean i think uh yeah i think it's just you know what one of those will choke down to winning mentality winning in the face of playing badly (laughs) it was what real champions do blah 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 um i will say i want to see how and also coming off the big liverpool tottenham wins I was ready for some level of like dip, right? Because emotionally you're so high. But I want to see how Arsenal perform in the next couple of games. That that to me is actually really important to see. Is was that like a little blip? Or is I don't know I wanna say wheels falling off, but like how how does a team handle this, right? Like how does a team sort of go through yeah. this next phase of just be consistent. You're not going to have a giant game until Chelsea. Just be consistent. Do the things you usually do and secure the wins. Yeah, but and props think, to Leeds. Leeds are really good. I think it's also fair to say when Arsenal fans talk about how well the team is playing, the stats back this up, right? It's not just some random fantasy about yeah. Arsenal fans watching the team. I mean, this is our best start in the Premier League ever. This is our best start to a season winning 9 out of 10 games ever. Right? The last time we did anything similar, I think, was 07, 08 where we pushed for the title all the way until the insane Even ending. Even better that than that. Season. This is like it, best right. since 1930 or something. So it's not it's not out of nothing. And people you know, people will say, oh, hey, hold on, Arsenal going to bottle it as usual, blah, blah. Fine. But it's a journey. If you can't enjoy this, yeah. then what's the point of whatever Absolutely. you do? Like, there's no point. You got to enjoy it. Take it all the way. Again, and I, and I said this, I think, maybe last, last week, I just said, like, you got to enjoy the journey because at the end of the day, it feels like this team and Arteta and Edu and everybody, it feels like we're one to two to three years ahead of schedule. Last season was supposed to be just get back into Europa League, right? We lost the top four by one point. Everybody's laughing at you for losing the top four. It's not. It's actually you made it all the way to challenging for the top four by one point. That's how Arsenal fans see it. This season, we're challenging for the title. Yes, we won't win it. But at the end of the day, you've challenged for the title. All we wanted from this season was top four. So we are a season or two ahead of schedule. We might as well enjoy it and see kind of what's going on and, and you know, get on this get on this train, this hype mm-hmm. train. Because, you know, it won't... And, and people talk about, hey... Why not dream big? Because this 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 league is kind of going to be a this chokehold by City on this league. What if this is the season that they're slightly wobbly? What if this is the only chance? What if this is the Leicester season that you have this opportunity to do something different before City kind of come back and chokehold again and blah blah blah? And Liverpool come back and United get better and Chelsea. There's you know there's enough happening this season between the other teams in the United mm. form. Obviously they're not even in it. Chelsea with Abramovich and Tuchel and all that stuff. Uh, Liverpool, the form that they're in. So really, you've got one challenger, one real challenger in City. Well, might as well go for it. No, of yeah. course. Um, and speaking of enjoying the journey, I, I just thought, I mean, maybe maybe Leeds aren't like this every week. I mean, clearly they're not like this every week. But I really enjoyed watching Brendan Aronson 
I really enjoyed um, Mark Rocco in the middle. Sinistera's got something about him. Like, mm. I just if I was a Leeds fan, I would be very happy watching that side uh, play every week. Um, was, well, I was yeah, very they, impressed. Jesse Jeff definitely told them, listen, this team is you know, the most intense team in the league, and we're going to show them that we can be more intense, and they absolutely brought it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the... What are your thoughts on the on the Bamf- Bamford Gabriel sort of tete a tete? I I feel like I'm really glad for that VAR like was. Well, I'm really glad they waited. I'm really glad they waited for yeah. the beginning because this game without VAR would have been an absolute disaster. <laughs> oh man, yeah, talking points would have been crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was funny. I I don't know. I think there was chapter one and chapter two here. So I think Arsenal got extremely lucky with the first one, with the goal being being ruled out mm. the foul um, shove. yeah the little, the, i yeah. think like i think that was pretty lucky um but yeah the, the right decision was made at the end like gabriel should absolutely not have kicked out him but because we have <laughs> seen players get red carded for that before settings, yeah. <laughs> yeah but um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't a red card and it wasn't a penalty so yeah yeah I, I thought, fans in the way and we loved it yeah i thought uh, like like I I was so mad at Gabriel before the He's whole VAR interview. I was so mad. I was like yelling at my. I was just yelling. I was just like, "Why would you throw this all away for some moment of petulance?" Like uh, Ramsdale has the ball at his feet. Why yeah. even get in Bamford's way? Is it going to be the half second that you gain from it? Just don't give the referee a decision to make. Just don't do it. It's it's you like you should be a lot more in control than that. And I was absolutely fuming. Like yes, the VAR eventually. Um, ruled it out, but I had already gone through the emotions of being absolutely <laughs> angry at Gabriel, <laughs> and I can't yeah. take it back. I just can't take it back. I'm still living with it. You know what I mean? I, I will say that other teams have clearly cottoned onto this, and he's mm-hmm. going to need to sort himself out because teams will just will will aim to rile him up as they should, because like clearly yeah. he's vulnerable to it. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on. Um, Chelsea two Villa nil. Chelsea are on a five game winning streak uh, under Graham Potter. They're looking very solid. They're looking very good. Apart Apart from the fact that Roy, as you said, Villa did absolutely batter them, yeah. especially in the first half, um, and yeah, they, they absolutely needed Kepa to save them three, three or four unbelievable saves from the kid. This was like Tyron Mings and um, and our, our good friend <laughs> Martinez handing <laughs> gifts to Mason Mount. He's like Mason Mount. You want to you want your rep to jump back up again? Do you want to be back in the spotlight? Here are two goals for you. Um, you know, happy early Christmas. This, the Tyrone Mings one was a, a little bit hilarious. Like um, the Emmy one, you know, whenever a keeper moves to the end covered by the wall, man, you better you better <laughs> know the ball is going over the wall. Like there is zero reason for Emmy to move to his right. But he just goes searching for it, and Mason Mount just Mason Mount just literally kicked the ball straight to like straight down the the center of the goal. <laughs> it was it, it was, was bizarre goalkeeping. Ah, oh, yeah. Like, to, to, to the Ming's point, I you know Gerard has basically got everything wrong since taking over Aston Villa. But the one thing he got right was removing Ming's as captain because you can't have someone that dense. On the football pitch, I was just probably more intelligent off it. But 
you can't have him making the like motivational team talk and then doing shit like that because it just he'll he'll hold no water, right? No, well, it's like playing it's like playing uh, Maguire as captain and <laughs> yeah. seeing him do. You know, Minks walks around like he is sent from a footballing god. Like so he, he walks around. Nets. Yeah, he came from the footballing gods. He walks around. He's happy that he's six five and good looking and tall and big and goes to the gym. Mate, that might work for you in the streets. On the field, humble yourself. <laughs> like, like be humble. Like that was the sixth minute of the game. The entire team talk that the Gerard gave while he was in pain because he couldn't walk for three years since being retired from the Premier League. Like the man is on his last breath and he's giving this team talk. And six minutes in, you just absolutely ruin it. Like I could not believe what I saw when he jumped in the air. What? Like. I'm sorry. That was unexplainable. Unexplainable. Did you, did you see him standing watching the, the goal go in? There's a picture of him standing with his hands. I'll tell his you something. Beside I will tell you something, Roar. He was standing there searching for someone else to blame. A hundred percent. He was like, how can I spin this on someone else? But he couldn't. That's how bad it was. He, even Mings couldn't find someone else to blame it on. Oh yeah. boy! But they, but they came after Chelsea. That mm-hmm. you know, like that's the thing. You play away in this league, especially. There's like a good chunk of teams, probably up until like maybe maybe like fifteen, sixteen teams, where they can really make it difficult for you playing at their ground. And um, man, like Bailey was killing it. Even Ashley Young was doing doing some stuff. Like they were really getting after Chelsea. And like you said, Kepa Kepa had to pull off a bunch of really good saves. I mean, Ings with that almost point-blank header. I mean, if you don't score from there, I just feel like you need to get dropped. Like, mm-hmm. there's no there's no excuse. Like, you're right in front of the goal. The only thing you need to do is not head it straight at the keeper's hands, and he managed to do uh, exactly I think, that. Roy, I think Marcus Rashford just turned, not, turned off the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was... I think we just lost him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that was wild. Villa now uh, apparently trying to convince Mauricio Pochettino to ruin his life and take it, take that <laughs> job. Um, but uh, seems unlikely to me. But you know, have a crack. Why not? I I doubt he's coming from PSG to. I doubt he's moving from Paris to Birmingham. Let's just let's just say that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Um, speaking of Pochettino, Tottenham two, Everton nil. Um, not much really going on here for Everton. Well, I thought oh, they just sorry. tried to like park the bus and get through it, and weren't good enough to do so. Are they weren't were they not good enough to do so, or is, is Harry Kane just a diving cheat? No which, man, it's a, it's a penalty. It is even, not a penalty. Of course it is. Even okay, okay, okay. Knew okay. It. Did so, you see Jordan Pickford? He laid down. so obvious. Pickford's fringe allowed yeah. both Harry Kane feet to get off the ground, turn into flippers, and dive forward. That's what Pickford's little fringe did when it barely brushed Harry Kane's side of the knee. Come on, man. Just, just look, look. No. Is it? Did he touch him? He touched him. Is it? Is what happened the result of that touch? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. brought down from behind and by oh, yeah. Pickford. Like, oh, yeah. That, yeah. that is just given as a penalty yeah. every day of the week, all no, year. Mate. No, never. Okay. never. Um, I am anti-Tottenham. And honestly, I am fine with that as a pen. Let me tell you of why. Course. Let me tell you why. Alec, our, our dear friend, Alexander Lacazette, 
came from Lyon to Arsenal. And when this guy came to the Premier League, he thought, you know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a man of integrity. And, you know, if I get fouled in the pen in the penalty area and I can go on, I'm gonna trust the refs are gonna give me a pen, but I'm still gonna try and make this happen. And guess what? He learned very quickly in the Premier League, if you don't go down, there's Not no it. way you get anything. So he turned into Fabrizio Ravinelli <laughs> and decided I'm just gonna dive wherever I can. And I am just now okay with the fact that if you get touched in the pe- in the penalty area and you go down, hey, just try it, you do your thing, right? This is the world in which we live in. So Let's just embrace it. Even I, if you'd, be, you'd, be, the, you'd be furious if your striker didn't yeah, okay. win the contest. Like it's yeah. Kane who has won it. But sure. I, if that was Gabriel Jesus, I would be very happy with it. Of course. Right, fine. Let's put, let's put Kane in the dive away. If I'm a referee and I'm looking at that, I don't think that's enough of a foul to result in the player flopping on the ground and losing the ball. Like, fine, Kane can dive but all that's, he wants. That's not the then, litmus test. And you but, know but that, like, that's never, never has just, been. He's kicking the ball away from goal. It's barely a touch. He's flopped. He's obviously exaggerated the contact. Why, why is it still being given? It's, it's, that's uh, always been given. Like, well, except, except yeah. for Newcastle against United when he need him across his entire shin. True, like, like both uh, Callum Wilson and Sancho got legitimately fouled this weekend, right? And none of those are should have had pens. penalties. Yeah, well, like Kane gets it every time because he's Kane. It just works that way. It just works that way. And he knows what he's doing, and he will dive every time he touches it, as small as contact, and he will get given the foul. But I am I'm happy very with clever. Yeah, I'm happier with football not you like know that, not <laughs> where people are scared of touching a striker than people being okay touching a striker. I've actually realized I prefer that. I prefer for don't even get close to this guy and maybe there's a goal that's or a dangerous situation that comes about um, rather than like the whole Lacazette thing where <laughs> hey, like I'm just going to brave my way through this and rely on the ref to yeah. make the, us the a better goal. It's unfair on the defenders too when the game is so fast. It's a split second decision whether to put your toe or not to put your toe. Like it is getting increasingly difficult to not give away a penalty per game. Like it's just very difficult now. Yeah, like every tough. game you're almost guaranteed a penalty. And sometimes we talked about this last week. Sometimes you get fouled facing the other way on the edge of the box and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's a goal. Like, yeah. like it's it's too overpowered. It, it it ruins games. Games are changed because against the run of play, you get a penalty and you score. My, my favorite thing is that defenders now put their arms behind their back so that they to try and not give away a free kick, and yet we're still banging on about hands in natural positions. And I'm just like, none of this, none of this makes any sense. Um, what I do want to, uh, I do want to give um, some credit though to uh, Hoiberg and Benzinkor, who I think have been one of the best central midfield partnerships is now like there's now with Basuma coming in, sometimes they're playing in a three and that's giving mm-hmm. um, and Benzikor a lot more license to get forward, which you saw in the second goal, like one crossing to the other. And they are, they are kind of known as these two, like very solid defensive midfielders, but with the addition of Basuma has seen them kind of grow a bit or at least express different parts of, Mm-hmm. Of, of their ability. Mm, that, that is so cute. Two 
grown men playing football now can get to express themselves a little bit more in the field. And we are yeah, gonna they're clap. allowed to cross the halfway line. Yeah, we got to <laughs> clap because now they don't just slightly pass to each other sideways. And maybe they make their one in a lifetime pass forward. Come on, Alex. These two are grown men that all they do is sit in front of the fence and do nothing. What a... What a what no, but the- this is but this is exactly the point. This is exactly the point, right? Because it's, it's the way that we see players. So yeah. you look at them in the in the three four three, and they're not allowed. Like they basically have a very specific mission, right? right. But then you put Basuma in there, and they go three five two, and all of a sudden these guys can actually do a whole bunch of things that nobody thought they could do. And so I, I think it just speaks to the way that we look at players, and we decide he's this. Oh yeah, but no, it, I think but it's often system related. I, I think you're absolutely right. Conte ball is in full flow, mate. Full attacking flow with Bentacore and Hoiberg just absolutely bombing into the opposition box. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah, his first. Okay, I'm a bias. Yes, but like seriously, <laughs> no yeah. like, like I get something it. Something about first challenge. It's uh, it's a tough it's one. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just hate they're getting they're getting so much space for winning games. But like this is how they win games. Harry Kane exaggerates a, a little touch in the box. He gets a penalty. Like the game before, like Kane or whatever, Son kicked it into Kane's shoulder. They then looped over a keeper and they won one nil. Like this is not. This is not. <laughs> not it. what this happened. Is not but it. Okay. <laughs> this is, that is the best character. Son <laughs> <laughs> kicked it. Into That's what happened in the Champions League. He literally kicked it as hard as he can into his shoulder. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought I was biased. Boy, you killed me, man. Uh, right. Southampton won. West Ham won. West Ham had about, what was it, 24 shots? Yeah, it was a lot of shots. Like, this was a very kind of Brighton, like, XG mental sort of game, yeah. but they couldn't do it. I, I just, I'm, I've got to the point with Southampton where I just feel like if you don't beat them, you're probably going to be really depressed about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's one of those games where... I definitely thought West Ham are walking away from from that match crying. Like they literally think we should have scored at least three here. Um, I did think Skamaka convinced me that he's better than Nunes in this game, um, <laughs> which is not a high bar, but whatever. But he's growing. It's, he's definitely he's, growing in the past couple of games. Like even though not sharpness. everything, yeah, not everything is coming off for him. But if you're yeah. watching. You can Ooh. see that it's getting there. It's slowly yeah. coming. He needs to have less shots from the halfway line. Other than that. It's getting there for him. Like he's in the right positions. He's doing the I right like thing. I like the shots from the halfway line. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So does Nunez. Yeah. But he's like, there's definitely a sharpness about him that you think, man, if a few things just go go well, you're gonna, you could score like definitely one hat trick, maybe even two if you get really lucky. Things really go your way this season. Um, but man, like, yeah, Southampton are such an interesting team. I mean. There's this weirdness about them with their youth and oh, like the commentators mistaken Kyle Walker Peters for Maitland Nels and all that rubbish. But Jesus. all I have to say, I think I think you're right. Like if you go to their ground and you don't win, yeah, you really think about a missed opportunity because there's such a young team that doesn't quite have, you know, that sort of like man manliness and strength to just say we're locking we're locking up shop like. Mm-hmm. You know, the only reason they beat West Ham is West Ham didn't really take their chances, not because they can shut you out. Exactly. Um, but great, great young players. The, apart from Maiden Niles. 
<laughs> I feel I feel really sorry for them though because they signed so in the summer like as we we've talked about before they hired Man City's like youth recruitment bloke to be their main recruitment bloke mm. and the first thing he did was go and sign like three players from Man City's youth team <laughs> who somehow I mean it shows you the state of Southampton but they improved Southampton's first team right with Bazuna and Goal and uh, Lavia in central midfield Bring the kids. and then and then Chelsea have just nicked him after like That's six right. months. Which is crazy. Like, I, I'm surprised that contractually he's even allowed to leave this soon. But Chelsea were like, those kids were good. Let's get that guy. As if Man City are going to sell Chelsea their, their young players. Any kids, yeah. But then Hasenhutl was all salty about it because he was like, yeah, no, we were going to get those guys anyway. That guy didn't do very much. Um, <laughs> I was like, he signed half of your team. Anyway, it's just, it's all a bit of a, a sorry situation. Give him his props, um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, Southampton might go down. I've just got a little little, little feeling. Fulham 2, Bournemouth 2. Since uh, Bournemouth got smashed 9-0, they are the only team in the league that has been undefeated. And Gary O'Driscoll, O'Driscoll? O'Neill, has not lost a game. Yeah. yeah. Wild. You got Billing, you got Lerma, you got all, you got all the boys in there having fun. Like, uh, <laughs> where's uh, where's what's his name? Where's Bernie's boy? Um, eBay. Yeah, where's eBay? Is he still there? I don't know. I think Bernie would take massive exceptions <laughs> to him being described <laughs> as his boy. <laughs> um, but I have really have no idea where that guy is. But uh, yeah, you know what will happen though. The second they actually give him the job, they'll start losing games. Oh yeah, I mean the the actually does not look good. Um, in the last few games, even though they've they've drawn, like it's not like they're, dom- they're going out there and dominating teams. They're they're generally scoring more than they should and conceding less than they should. Um, so it's going to even out. Like they they're definitely going down. There's like a nice purple patch, but soon enough they're going to like lose five in a row because they deserve to. Um, but while they're while they're here, I mean, have fun. Like uh, Solanke scored a uh, a nice goal. Um, they're just having fun, man. Like you, you can sort of see they're just they're a little freer, but ultimately they're going down. Fulham have, yeah, they they had a hot start, sort of tailed off a little bit, which yeah. I mean, promoted side. I think they, I think they'll be, I think they'll be okay. Long term, yeah, they have Mitrovic yeah. scoring a lot of goals, so that that's always such a big deal, right? Like it's hard for the, for these for these promoted sides to have. Like for them to score goals, such a big deal. When you have a good goal scorer, I think he has seven goals in the, in the season now. Like, yeah, you know, That's he really could good. end up with fifteen plus, um, and that in itself could keep you up. So, yeah, um, no, their, their whole like whether they can be in a game or get enough wins is solely down to can they get crosses into Mitrovic. Like that's it. That's all you need to do. Yeah, you do that like four times a game. He gets one or that's two. Fine. Like. On, on you go. Uh, Wolves won Nottingham Forest nil. Nottingham Forest are horrendous. Um, and they're also going down. And I don't know financially how that works because they've just bought all the players, then sacked the people that bought the players. And they're all on Premier League wages, presumably. Yeah. And they might have to ship them all off to Olympiacos. <laughs> yeah well this this was one that was lost on social media thanks to the uh, <laughs> Nottingham Forest intern yeah. uh, 
<laughs> Wait, I missed that. What happened? But yeah, but tell, tell, tell us what happened. So before the game, um, Forrest posts this picture of uh, you know little wolf pups. What's a, what's a baby wolf like? Is it a pup? Cub, right? A pups, cub, yes. yeah, wolf cubs, and uh, you know just sort of like you know it's playtime, right? With a forest, which oh, I forget no. which forest player was out there. You know, it's playtime with like little cubs, and um, of course they go on and lose lose the match, and uh, wolves post a picture of a stump with an axe. Saying playtime over. No. <laughs> Steve Cooper has since labeled the tweet not helpful. No way. I mean, yeah. I mean that that pup cub one is at best. Wait till the end of the game. At best, if oh. even if even if you post it at all. It's oh mad. no, it's mad. Because uh, apparently they used it. They talked about it in the pre-game, right? So. Yeah, well, now, now all impressed. I want, now all I want is a wolves all or nothing, where <laughs> their manager tells shows them the tweet and goes, "Are you ready? Are you going to let him disrespect you like that?" That's all they I even want. They have now. a manager. That's <laughs> literally, <laughs> That's a good point. it's just who's wait who's captain now that Cody's not there? Uh, Ruben Nevers, I think. Yeah, it's just him yeah. holding it up. <laughs> Speaking yeah, Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, anyway, they've got uh, they got Nuno back soon, so uh, they'll be exactly the same as they are now. Uh, Brentford two, Brighton nil. Brighton very fast start under Deserby with the three three at Liverpool, and they've done absolutely nothing since, which is a bit mm. bit concerning for them. And then Leicester nil, Palace nil, just concerning all round for everyone. Leicester obviously shit, and James Madison got sent off, and then Palace. Like, there was a narrative around Palace, kind of because of last year and the start of this year, but they're not actually good. Yeah. You know, the thing that shocked me is I realized Eze is like 24, turning 25, Mm. which is maybe not related to this game, but um, maybe equally like sort of shocking to find Eze's age and also to think, yeah, Crystal Palace seemed like this team that was super hot and yeah, yeah. They just, they're all right, you know? Like, um, I didn't actually watch this game. I just saw the highlights, but it didn't really seem like they're creating a ton. I know Edward had a had a decent chance after coming on, but yeah, they're sort of in a strange place where they're not, they're not growing in, in sort of like their, um, their intensity and their ability to really stretch people and, and to dominate games. They have patches where they do okay. Um, but if you want to crack the top 10, like you really need to like take significant steps forward. And I think as much as people talk about, they have exciting players, you know, like you mentioned Eze, or at least say all these guys, you know, the thing that separates a team from like sort of being eighth, ninth to like 13th, 14th. is people you could, oh. <laughs> I mean, that, him too. But like players who can show up week in, week out and give seven, eight out of ten. And Palace players are too up and down mm. for that to happen, right? Like there's too large a swing in like they have moments of just captivating moments where a lot happens. But then they have just big stretches of games where they don't dominate. The game sort of passes passes them by. And I think that's where they're really struggling to make the leap from 
sort of like 13th in the table to, yeah, we can squeak into ninth, you know, maybe even right. eighth. Yeah, I think what separates a team from the bottom half to the top half of the table is a Gucci belt, honestly. <laughs> that just, that, that's just my assessment of the situation. But um, yeah, Leicester, on the other hand, I mean, Brendan Rodgers is just uh, just comedy. Just comedy, yeah. just funny. You know, since he burst through the scenes, I mean, in my at least in my world at Liverpool with the documentary or whatever they had at the time and steady. the Reed Sterling thing, steady. And he just, it all, you know, you know, his new girlfriend and getting the divorce. And he, he, he's a character. He's someone, the envelopes. You know, I think this season he just has his name inside the envelope. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. him, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, the keeper. Definitely the keeper. Oh, my God, the keeper. Hey, you got a clean sheet. It doesn't matter. Okay. He's horrendous. <laughs> okay, you know, I think maybe the first time I came on this pod, I forgot, maybe it wasn't, but I have labeled Jake Murphy from Newcastle as like that player who I yeah. look at and yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Hey, I could do better than him. Like, if you you get me fit, I'm better than him. Man, the Leicester Daniel keeper, Ward. Daniel Ward. That guy is atrocious. Atrocious. <laughs> like, how is it that... Brendan, actually, it wasn't Rogers because Rogers must have wanted someone else. How is it that a team looked at this guy and says, "Yeah, we're going into a Premier League season, and you're number one the entire season. Just do your best." Like this guy literally handed Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal the one anyway, but he handed us a win. Like the guy consistently, consistently underperforms. Like he is, I think he's a League One keeper, legitimately. He probably is. They bought him for eleven million. From, anyway, from where? Who? who I don't who remember. Made, uh, who made that money? So, I think it was the championship. Made that money. Yeah, he's he's not a championship player. He's a League One keeper. But here he is, stinging up in the Premier League. I'm all for it. It's it's a, it's great fun. It's great. Fun. I mean, I mean, yeah. he might have he might have the Ramsdale trajectory. So you never know. Don't, don't rule him out just yet. He might yeah. be incredible with his feet. <laughs> but we yeah. just don't get to see it at, at Leicester. In two relegations time, he might be decent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, lads, we better leave it there. Um, Roy, wonderful to have you on again. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, always fun. Thanks for having me. Mohamed, wonderful as always. I'll talk to you next week. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye, lads. Bye.